a lot to get into here as my guy, former NBA coach of the year, my friend, Sam Mitchell, is joining us here. And um, Sam, how the heck are you, man? How you been? <laughs> John, I can't complain, my friend. Doing just well. How about you? Well, listen, uh, we may talk off air. You know, I had a health setback here uh, recently, so we, uh, we're back at it here over the last month or so. But uh, we'll, we can talk about that another time. But, um, you know, Sam, I loved what Dominique Wilkins' response to J.J. Reddick's comments were with you the other day. What did you think about that whole <laughs> thing about what he said? Uh, you know, first of all, I just – couldn't believe it that he forms his mouth to say something like that. JJ knows better, and I, you know, sometimes you have to wonder: Do guys say stuff just to get a reaction? And, and to your point, was classic. And you know, everybody has a right to their opinion, but I really, really try to be open-minded when we talk about, you know, things that happens in the eighties and nineties, and and things now. And I give the players today credit, talent-wise, individual-wise, oh, they're better than we were. You know, when you look at how talented and how these guys play, but there's something missing. Maybe it's that little extra, that little love that we call it or whatever, but there is something missing. But as far as talent, you can't complain about that. So, you know, with regard to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, I've said that everybody's hands are dirty in this. Players, coaches, front office, ownership. How do you see this whole situation with the Atlanta Hawks firing Nate McMillan with 23 games to go? Well, John, is tough, man. Been, been in that situation. You know, as a coach, you know you're hired to be fired. But to get let go this late into the season, especially when you're Nate McMillan, who's been such an accomplished coach and who kind of turned this, this franchise around a couple years ago. But it's the part of the business that's ugly, that's unfortunate. And uh, But, you know, I think Nate's an unbelievable coach. But for whatever reason, and there's a lot of speculation on why they're making a change, but – for whatever reason, the Hawks are deciding to go in a different direction. And I really hope, as someone who was born and raised in Georgia, who lives here now, would like for the Hawks to get the right guy. And uh, there's some good candidates out there. We keep hearing some names. But, you know, I, I, I just hope they get the right guy because, you know, we need something different in this town. How, how much, I mean, honestly, how much of a spark – do you think that firing a coach with 23 games left in the season can can light a fire under this team? I mean, you know, they're kind of in that no man's land, as you always talk to me about. And it's just I, I don't I mean, I don't understand, you know, 23 games left. How much of a spark that you can really get this team to to play that much better down the stretch? Well, John, you tend to play a little bit better because not only do the players look around the room and realize that, you know, you, you fired the coach, but then after the coach, who's next? You know, the players are not stupid. They understand that when a team is underachieving and the coach is always going to take the initial blow, after that, there's a restructuring coming because whoever they bring in, some guys may like you, some guys may not. You may not be some guy's cup of tea. There are going to be changes, and if there's no change with 22 games or 23 games to go, then guess what? This summer we'll start trading and, 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 and rechanging, shaping this roster. So it should be a little jump, but at the end of the day, when you look at the East and Western Conference, the Hawks, they've underachieved a little bit, but they just haven't played up to the quality that the teams ahead of them have played. 
Sam Mitchell joining us here on the waitforward.com hotline, former NBA coach of the year. So do you think that from a timeline, because Landry Fields talked about on one hand, he said that earlier today that maybe they could make a move before the end of this season as far as hiring a coach. And then he also said, well, it could be summertime when, when we hire a coach. Realistically, when you're going through that process, you know, how quick, I mean, what would be the point of bringing somebody else in here at this point with a handful of games left and not knowing what the future of this roster is going to bring? Does it make any sense to bring in somebody new into this organization this quickly? It wouldn't make sense to me, John, but, you know, if, if, a, if a GM does that, that means he's already had someone strongly, strongly in mind. They've already pretty much uh, consummated the deal. It's just how do you and when do you introduce this guy and bring him in? But if I was you, I'm with you, John. I would take my time. Look, we've been hearing the name Quinn Snyder. His name's been, you know, all over ESPN and on local news. And, and Quinn's a good candidate. I know Quinn. But I also think there are some other good candidates. I think, you know, you have to look at a guy like Eme Adoka. When you're talking about changing the culture, and I think the Hawks need a culture change, look at what he did in Boston. Then you look at some assistant coaches out there. Sam Cassell. You know, you look at a guy like that, Damon Stoudemire in Boston, who's done a tremendous job also. So I think it's some other guys out there. And if I was Landry Fields, I would put together an extensive list, and I would sit down this summer, and I would really interview guys and just get deep because you can't keep firing coaches. This is You're going on your third coach, you know, in about, you know, three years, something like that. So you can't keep doing that, and you don't want the narrative out there that your organization organization is not, you know, functioning properly. So I wouldn't rush to bring anybody in right now. I would do my due diligence because there are some good candidates out there, but I would really, really, you know, take my time before I bring in the next coach. Now, you you obviously live here and, and you've got some understanding of this franchise. How involved do you think Tony Ressler is in all of this decision-making? How How much do you think that there's – separation between what Landry Field's job is and how much Tony Ressler is involved in this organization? Well, I think like any owner, you're going to be involved. People that say owners are not involved, you know, if you own something and you're passionate about it, you want to be up to speed in the things that are going on. I just think in a situation like this, obviously, you know, you're going to listen to your general manager. You're going to have trust in them but you're also going to be in that room and be involved. So I think, you know, stuff like this, he's he's kept up to speed on. He has to sign off on it. And the general manager, when he wants to make a change, you have to go sit down to the owner and ownership group and state your case on why you want to do something. And obviously, when he made his points and his reason why, the owner signed off on it. So the same process should be taken when you de- decide to hire a coach. The general manager should put together an extensive list. Uh, and at some point, when you get it narrowed down to like the top two or three guys, that's when the owner should be brought in and that's when the decision should be made. But I'm with you, John. Again, if, if you decide to go down this road at this point already, then you might as well take your time, interview a list of guys, and make sure you get the right candidate. So let's say the Hawks finish eight, nine, somewhere in that mix, and they get into the play-in tournament, and, you know, maybe they advance, and then you're you're staring Milwaukee or Boston right in the crosshairs and 
I don't think you're going to win that series. And so it's going to be another, you know, technically, I guess, a first-round exit, um, you know, because you're, you're in the first round of the playoffs. What does your gut tell you about is this organization ready to make some wholesale changes? Or besides the coach, do you think that they kind of stay pat? They, I mean, they've invested a lot of money in these guys. I mean, not just Trey, but DeAndre and John Collins and Capella. Like, they've got a lot of money invested in these guys. What's your gut tell you about if this is a play-in and they get blown out in the first round, what does your gut tell you that they do in the offseason? Well, John, you you know, your gut can tell you a lot of things based on what happens, and there's a lot of ifs, but I can tell you this. You're right. They have invested a lot of resources and money into some of this young talent that they have, and, and that's probably one of the reasons they're making a change. That being said, if, if you think the team is underachieving because the coach, then you bring a new coach in, you bring a new staff in, you leave this, this group intact, you just try to make it better, and then you give them an opportunity to play because if you really invested that kind of money and you believe, then, then, then if you think it was the coach again, you run this, this team back, you just try to make the necessary adjustments. And so I think that's what they're going to do. Look, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Trey Young, they have some really, really young talent. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes we're un- impatient. But if you think it was the coach and now you have, you went through the process of changing the coach, then you should at least give this group another year to find out what your instincts were. Now, let me ask you this. More than, like, the names and stuff like that, you know, we hear all the different names out there. But from a age or philosophy standpoint, one of the things that John Collins said today was, you know, Nate's system and this, that, and the other is probably better for an, an older team. You coach some really young guys over the course of your NBA coaching life. How much of a disconnect is there when you have a young roster? And I think the Hawks are sixth in uh, age and seventh in experience as far as youngest rosters go in the NBA. Does it have to be sort of a, a younger voice? I mean, does – does that factor in when you're talking about getting this thing on track? John, that just drives me crazy, a younger voice. So you basically you're saying, okay, we had an experienced coach, and he wanted us to run more of an experienced offense. And then an offense that, I don't know, demanded more of us. But we want a young coach who knows very little, like we do, and then who's going to put very little in. You know how much sense that makes, John? That makes absolutely no sense at all. Look, it's not about the age of the coach. It's about what the coach wants to bring and what type of system he wants to intact. All right, so when you watch the Hawks play, the first thing I would say to the players is get in the gym and work on your game. If your game is the same as it is when you came into the league, if you're still shooting the same percentages from the same areas on the spot that you did when you first came in the league, then you haven't gotten better. And the Hawks pay this young talent on what they thought they were going to be on not what they actually done. If you look at the guys that they paid, other than Clint Capella and Trey Young, the other guys, Hunter and Collins, they were paid on potential. So, you know, I kind of cringe when I hear stuff like that. It doesn't make sense to me. Some of the best coaches in all sports are coaches with age, and those coaches kind of evolve. Hmm, how Nick Saban's doing in this new era of football? Let me see. He's kind of kicking everybody's ass, wouldn't you think, <laughs> with all that? So I would just say 
finding the right coach that can put the right system in place, regardless of age, is not a concern. It's just bringing in the right guy. One thing you have to be careful about when you bring in an extremely young coach that don't know anything, the players also know that. So at some point, you got to have somebody with enough experience to understand what's going on. And for all the people that say, look at what's going on in Boston. Yeah, look at what's going on in Boston. That team is a mature team. You got players who have been deep into the playoffs, the Eastern Conference Finals, and more. And so when you look at the Boston Celtics, those guys are mature. And where did they gain that maturity from? Yeah, Emi Adoka was a young coach as far as how many years he had coached. But you look at all the experience he gained and all the veteran coaches that he coached under, and then you look at the, the accountability that he instilled in that locker room and on that team, that's why those young players have responded. So maybe the problem with the Hawks is, is that go your problem? The young players, a, a, a guy stated that one of the key players saying, well, the other coach expected too much of us. Maybe we need a coach that don't expect anything of us. So when you start hearing comments like that, I start hearing excuses. And maybe management, maybe when they get through looking at the coach, Maybe they need to start looking and focusing in that locker room as some of the players. Last question for you, Sam. I've got about 30 seconds left. Do you include Trey Young? Consult with Trey Young. He's your super max guy. Do you at least listen to his voice as far as maybe who he wants, or, or do you just not factor any of that in? Listen to me carefully, John. As my star player, as my super max player, I might would have a, I would probably have a conversation with him about the type of coach that we're looking for, but this is where you got to be careful. Right now, there may be a narrative out there that Trey Young and the coach not get along, and this is the second time. Okay, I would not put Trey in that situation because again, players need to stay in their lane, management stay in their lane. All right, I would I might would have a conversation. But if I was Trey Young, I wouldn't want to be near this decision. I want to be like the other 14 guys in that locker room because this is the thing. If there's a perception in that locker room that the next coach is hired to satisfy Trey, then what are you going to do about the other 13 guys in that locker room? Last time I checked, you can't win with one guy. So if I was the players, I would stay in our lane and I would let management stay in their lane. And that way you don't want the you don't want your teammates to be a Trey Young thinking that you're in the room deciding who is going to coach that team because, trust me, no players want to be on a team if they think there's one particular player running the scene, running the team behind the scenes. Man, he's the best. NBA, uh, former NBA coach of the year, Sam Mitchell, joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. You can check him out on his Twitter page, at Sam Mitchell NBA. Sam, as always, my friend, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for, you know, chatting with me here tonight, and uh, let's try to catch up uh, here soon. Well, John, it's always a pleasure, man. I listen to you often, and you take care of yourself, my friend, and let's catch up.